Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We are lawyers, mothers, and hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. Just as we differ in political philosophy, we've arranged our lives in very different ways, from our careers to where we live to our choices around marriage and family. But we have more in common than divides us. In a world that increasingly defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. Choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. everyone. We are excited about today's Nuance Life, which is going to be all about therapy. If you would like to connect with us before we dive into this discussion, please check out our Instagram page at The Nuanced Life. You can also stay in touch with us about all kinds of things that we're reading and thinking about through our Pantsuit Politics email list. So go to pantsuitpoliticsshow.com to sign up for that email. We don't post exclusively political content there. You'll see a lot of podcasts and books that Sarah's reading, for example. So that's a good way to stay informed about what's shaping our thoughts as we come into our episodes each week. We are so excited to have a steady inflow of commemorations that y'all are sharing with us. And so we have several to share today. For those who didn't listen last week, we're starting a new segment in which we commemorate things that often go uncelebrated, both bitter and sweet, paying off student loans, finishing a career, starting a career, all these things that, because they're not the big ones, the baby, the wedding, and then you don't get anything else at your funeral, basically. We wanted to make space to celebrate here on the show. So you guys have been sending them in. They're really awesome. So here's some of our commemorations this week. Hi, Sarah and Beth. Just wanted to share something for the Nuance Life Little But Big celebrations. After two years post-college graduation of applications, really weird and stressful jobs, lots of interviews, and working through rejection, I am finally beginning medical school on August 6th. It has been my dream to be a physician since probably third grade, and the fact that it is happening in less than two months is a source of deep personal pride for me. Thank you for being a part of my journey to medical school. You probably didn't even know you were. And thank you in advance for the guidance, love, and support that I'm sure you'll give during the challenging four years ahead of me. I'm so grateful every day for the kind words you speak. I truly believe that hearing your conversations and carrying them over into my life have made me a better person and will also make me a more patient, compassionate, and understanding doctor in the future. Peace and love to you always, Liz. Oh, Liz, you made me cry. I know. That was so beautiful. I read that message several times. We also saw from Keely on Instagram that this commemoration feature is timely for her because just yesterday, her name change announcements showed up. She said, everyone mails out wedding announcements, but not divorce announcements. But I am thrilled to share with everyone in my life that I went back to my maiden name and that my son now has that last name as well. We had beautiful portraits done to commemorate and I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. I think we all need to make up reasons to get portraits taken. I'm just going to be honest about that. Not that she made up a reason. I'm just saying, like, 
celebrate new things to take portraits during. I'm all about that because I just think portraiture is important. I think it's such a great way to celebrate your life and your family and so important as your history. And I think like when you see yourself in a new way, what better way to celebrate than to take a picture? You know, my church this weekend did a beautiful ceremony for people who had recently retired. I loved that we took time to commemorate those retirements at church and to talk about the next chapter of life and how you still have a calling in life even after you Love retire. It. But as I was watching that, I thought this would be such a great moment for like a really beautiful photograph of these folks because it's, yeah. it's such an in-between place. And I think in a few years to look back at the person you were at the beginning of retirement would be a super cool thing. You're welcome, photographers. We believe yeah, in right? you. <laughs> right. We also got another divorce commemoration. It says, I recently got divorced. I love my husband very, very much. But after we got married, he became abusive. I believe that like any addiction, it was controlling him and does not define him as a person. And I get how that sounds. He's a human being, though, and just as deserving of nuance as anyone else. Anyway, through a lot of pain, doubt and tears, I was able to successfully leave him the first time. I live in another country now with a job where I'm really starting to get my footing. I'm saving up some money and I've rented a house that feels comfortable and safe. I'm making a few trends friends and traveling. I decided not to go back to my maiden name because I don't feel like the same person I once was. And I didn't want to keep his name. I chose the name Lighter because it's the Irish word for strong and my maiden name is Irish. This is the first email I'm sending from this new address. While I'm sad that my marriage didn't work out how I wanted and I do miss him a great deal, I'm happy I found the strength to empower myself to make a new, safer life. Thanks for the show, Sarah. Oh, Sarah, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you too, Sarah. It is brave and remarkable and important what you're doing. And we're so glad that you're Mm -hmm. doing it for yourself. And to make the decision to choose your new last name is the first in a whole bunch of choices that I think you're going to make and feel so good about. Honored that you shared that with us. Definitely. We also heard from Catherine who had two things to commemorate. She said, my husband and I went to dinner to celebrate our two-year anniversary of moving to Australia. We love hearing from people in Australia. We have quite a few people across the world over there. And it's always good to hear from you. And also, please append in your messages whether you have guest spaces. Thank you. Please and thank you. It was so good to talk about what we have done over the past two years, the places we have traveled, the friends we made, the friends that have already moved back to their home, what sucked and what was hard, what we learned and what we're looking for to in our last year in Australia. May of last year, I had a crippling anxiety attack followed by about a month of depression. On the one-year anniversary, I wrote a letter to myself about how I felt in that moment. It brought back so much emotion. I just cried and cried but kept writing. It was quite healing to process it all again and reflect on what I had learned over the past year. I've been going to therapy since May of last year, and it was so good to go through my notes to see how far I had come. Made me proud of the work that I've been doing over the past year. Thank you both so much. I appreciate what y'all do. That's a perfect transition is a perfect transition because we've heard from so many of you about therapy. Yay, therapy. Yay, therapy. And so we're going to talk a lot today about therapy. Well, we got some beautiful message from people saying, hey, you finally convinced me to go to therapy. And that's my favorite kind of message to receive. And then we also had people with questions about how to find a good therapist, what happens if you don't like your therapist. So we're going to work through a lot of that. 
So just finishing up our commemorations, let's congratulate Jackie, who just started going to therapy. She -hmm. said she literally escaped an abusive marriage nine years ago and have dealt with that trauma by denying it. The way you ladies talk about therapy like is the ultimate in self-care gave me that final push to start. Just the way you speak about going to therapy with the same weight as going to get a mani-pedi or massage took away that stigma and that something is wrong with me because I need a mental and emotional health check-in. And I think that is the place to start Mm -hmm. that... We are kind of a two-woman mission to normalize going to therapy. Yeah, it's so funny. People think you have to sign some sort of contract that you're going to have to go to like an hour and a half of deep psychotherapy a week for the next 40 years. Like there, you feel this weight or that you can't tell anybody and that it's just there's there's all this narrative that goes with therapy that is totally unnecessary, y'all. Well, do you want to start, Sarah, by just talking about how we both came to therapy and why we believe that it should be just a part of the routine? I'm trying to think. I think the first time I went to therapy was in college because you got free therapy at Transy. Did you ever avail yourself of the free therapy at Transy? That was my first therapy as well, yes. So take away college and universities, keep up that whole free therapy thing because definitely everybody's needed. everybody needs free therapy, that's for sure. So I went and I remember liking it and feeling like it did help me. And I talked through some a very traumatic breakup in college. Don't we all? And I talked about that. And then I, when I moved to North Carolina, I went again specifically to really start to deal with the trauma from the shooting. And I just, I, I did not click with the therapist in North Carolina. I very specifically remember feeling like I could play her very easily, like just say what she wanted to say and sound really awesome and healthy and I always use that story because when people will often say, well, I didn't like the therapy, I didn't click. I'm like, yeah, that, that happens all the time. Then you just keep finding somebody else. So then when I was in D.C., I had a wonderful therapist. And that she is who diagnosed me with PTSD. She is who I talked to before I got pregnant with Griffin about um, my sort of morbid obsessions with the death of those close to me. Side note, symptom of my PTSD. And that that is probably my most favorite therapy experience I've ever had was the woman I saw in D.C. She was really, really fantastic. And then, of course, we moved. And so when I've been back in Paducah, I had a really wonderful therapist all the way through the loss of my third pregnancy. I actually went, this is a crazy story. So I started going to see this woman because I had such anxiety about something going wrong with the pregnancy. And we would talk about that. And then I literally came in one day and I was like, oh, by the way, the baby died. I was clearly anxious for a reason. And then I spent another year and a half in therapy dealing with that. And since then, I've been to some marriage counseling with Nicholas, but my that therapist that I really loved that helped me with the baby, she retired. And the way my therapy, I really don't love this, the way the therapy is covered under my city insurance is like, you go for a specific reason, you get like 10 sessions, and then it's done, which really kind of sucks. And it's put me in a weird spot, so I probably need to just find a regular therapy. I'm not going regularly right now. I have heard, thought about talk therapy, the like apps. And if there are any listeners out there who've used those apps and found had positive or negative experiences, please email us because I would like to hear y'all's reviews on that. But so it's been sort of one-offs since then. I haven't been going regularly, but I think that that's fine too. Like that's what I just try when I tell people about my history and therapy. That's what I always try to convey is like, it's all over the place. Like I went for long periods of time. I go for short periods of time. I go because, oh, I, I've been to marriage counseling two separate times. Like I just... I think this idea that like, I I don't love the way my city insurance is set up, but I also don't think that's a bad way to approach therapy is like, I have this very specific thing I want to work on. I'm going to go for a couple months and then it'll be better. Like, I don't, I've never gone 
regular, super regularly over several years. So it's they've always been sort of dealing with specific issues and been incredibly helpful every single time. Well, that's great because my experience is completely different. So I started in college as well. I I started going because I was still having issues related to the car accident that I experienced in high school. I would pull up to a stoplight and and just see an accident unfolding in front of my eyes, right? So some very classic PTSD symptoms. And so I started seeing the free therapist through Transylvania. She was enormously helpful in allowing me to process that car accident in a way that I had not. She also helped me just understand that I was stressed out in a way that no college student should be stressed out. Really, no human should be stressed out the way that I was. One day I was sitting in her lobby looking at a Martha Stewart Living magazine and she walked out and she goes, oh, for Christ's sake, put that down. She was like, you do not need any messages in your life right now telling you that things need to look perfect. Just put it down. (laughs) Walk away. Don't do it. I mean, she was just very, very good. She assigned me the task of taking a day where I skipped class and didn't fulfill any responsibilities. She was like, you're going to take a day and you're going to do nothing for anyone else. Zero things. It was super hard and also one of the best days of my life. So that was a really (laughs) great experience. And then when I, so I did that for a while. My senior year, I went back a little bit because I was having some health problems, I think also stress related. It was an okay experience. It wasn't as good as the first time, honestly, but it was still helpful. And then I had kind of a long hiatus from therapy until um, I started working and, again, was having some health problems related to fibromyalgia. Saw a therapist that was recommended by my rheumatologist. She was not a good fit for me. I went a couple of times. It just wasn't a good match. And I stopped and I didn't really intend to just stop going to therapy, but I also kind of got busy and never made my way back. I saw someone a couple of times through my employee assistance program just because I was referring people to that program and wanted to try it out myself to see yeah. what the quality was. That's what I have. And and it was okay, too. It was, it was fine. And then when I got pregnant with Ellen, my second daughter, I experienced some depression-like symptoms. I don't want to say that I was like full-blown, as I mentioned last week. I've never had that kind of depression that is just debilitating, but I I was struggling. I felt like I wasn't going to have my body anymore. I, I felt mm-hmm. like I had kind of just recovered, you know, from having the baby, having my life taken over. And I was exhausted all the time. I didn't like my work. And I just thought there's not going to be anything left of me. And so I started seeing my therapist He told me early on that I felt to him like a person who was in a constant state of grief and didn't know why. Mm. And I have been seeing him every two weeks since then. So almost four years now. And I'm long past going to talk about a thing, right? I don't go to work on any specific issue. Now, I feel more like it's just part of my life and like I go to therapy to just be a better human who processes things in a more effective way and to live more intentionally and just kind of check check my perspective. And and I, I feel like he's a teacher as much as a therapist to me. 
and I can't imagine not going. And and it is not covered by any plan that I'm on right now. So it's just um, an expense that I have prioritized because I do think I'm a better, definitely a better mom, spouse, human being in general because of it. Do you? Th- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I think there's something to the, like, when you doing it long term like do you think there's something about your personality as far as like an enneagram two and like an obliger that you need to like you need to have an appointment like i'm like even that way with exercise like i need to have a class to go to like you think i'll deal with these things and i'll journal and i'll process this stuff but you really need like an outside place person that you're responsible like that is an outside commitment to to pay attention to these things I think the outside commitment is really helpful. I also think that like anything else, you get better at things as you do them more. Mm -hmm. I've talked before about how I am capable of a different level of honesty in therapy now than I was when I first started going. Mm. And it's because you just keep stripping away at it. You know, when you when you go regularly for a long time and you build a relationship with the person and you build more of a relationship with yourself through the person, I just think your capacity to get something out of it deepens, which only makes sense, right? I mean, it's like absolutely anything else that you do, the the more you do it, the more valuable it becomes. Right. Yeah, it definitely, that's the thing, a question we got, which is, how do you take the first step? How do you start the conversation when you've been going for a long time and you feel like nothing is wrong? What do you keep talking about? How would you answer that question? Actually, after I got that email, I sent a text message to my therapist and said, can we just record one of my sessions and share it? Because I feel like that'd be very helpful to people. And then I texted Sarah and was like, oh, my gosh, I hope he doesn't like break up with me as a client because I've asked this question. (laughs) And he did not. He said he was very flattered, but that's probably ethically a little bit dicey, which I understand as well. I think that's, you know, I think if I'm cool with it, it ought to be fine. But it's it's not. I understand I have the best therapy sessions when I don't have a clue what I'm going to talk about. When I just go in as a person and he says, what's going on with you? And whatever comes rattling out of my mouth usually is all the information that we need to get started on how I'm feeling about things. And I think the sessions when I go in, like, I'm going to talk about this, the conversation ends up feeling a lot more contrived. Mm. I just think therapy... And I, I, I want this to be like our first conversation about therapy. I would love to have a roundtable of actual therapists come on and chat with us about the therapist's perspective. I will say from the perspective of someone seeing a therapist, for me, I don't really want to be there to solve a problem because I don't think emotional health and spiritual health works like that. I think it's more like going to church or going to yoga class or anything else that you do to try to just better yourself. And it's mostly about just being open to the experience of it. 
my therapist is great at just asking questions until I hit on something that's pretty significant. Well, in my experience, too, I used to say that I would like I would I was like right after the baby died, I was obviously going like once a week. And I got to the point I told my therapist at the time, I was like, well, if I don't cry during the session, then maybe we can go to once every two weeks. But as long as I'm still crying every session, that means we need to be more off it. But it was crazy. Like once it got to a point where I didn't feel like I was dealing with an acute problem, I realized there was all this stuff that was simmering, particularly for my childhood, being a child of divorce, that I was able to talk about and get down into because it wasn't an acute problem. Like some of the traumas or hurts or sort of stigmas I carry from my childhood weren't causing, I went, I'm not an addict. They weren't causing really critical or like I said, acute problems, like something like the grief of losing that pregnancy was, but they were also affecting me and they were affecting about how I saw myself and what I wanted for my own family life. And just having that time set aside to really talk about that and to think about that and to be able to have a moment where you're like, well, I'm not really upset about anything or or I was directly upset about something and had had some time to be like, why does this situation always upset me? What's going on? It's just really helpful. I just think that there is something to the fact that like it's not like we set a lot of time in our daily lives to be like, hey, I'm going to think about the deeper issues. Now, I will say this. I used to bust on Oprah when she'd say, I didn't need therapy because I was talking all the time and I have Gail. But now, like, I do think part of the reason I haven't been going to therapy regularly is because I have these these shows and sitting down with you and having time to think, like, oh, why do I care about this? Why does this upset me? Like, it is a little bit about, it is a little bit like therapy. I think it's definitely therapeutic. I think all kinds of things are therapeutic that don't involve that commitment of actually sitting Mm -hmm. down with a trained professional. What is so valuable to me is to have that trained professional's insight to help me, one, examine the connection of present things to the past, which I am not good at because I am such a look forward person and I never want to blame anything from my past on mm. anything that's going on, especially because I had a good past. I had parents who loved me. I went to a fine school. I had church members who loved me. There were all kinds of adults in my life who were rooting for me. So I don't ever want to talk about my past with any kind of with blame or shame for anyone else. But you, it is possible to still have been affected by your past in negative ways. And, and it's no one's fault, right? right? Or there's not anything to be mad about, but it just is. And what I've come to understand is that Every single one of us is working on something like therapy for me is like laundry. You can get it all done and fold it and put away and then look down and be like, I'm wearing clothes now. And these clothes now have to be washed because that's just how it is. Right. And, And that's good. Life should be that way. If you aren't learning something actively all the time, then what is the point? And that's what I think therapy draws out for me. Even when I kind of have worked my way through one puzzle There's still another one behind it. And all of that is connected to my past and will be connected to my future. I think it's part of doing that work so that you don't pass on the same stuff to your children. You're still going to pass on some stuff, right? But maybe it can be different stuff so that, I don't know, human consciousness can keep evolving. That's how I try to think about it. And there are some issues that are always going to be issues for me. And the process of learning is a lot about just staying with those issues. I tend to be very defensive. Defensiveness is a 
disease, right, to any kind Mm -hmm. of progress or healthy, loving relationships. And therapy helps me work on that. Well, and it really can't be overstated what having a neutral third party. Like you think, oh, I can just say this stuff to my best friend or my mom. But first of all, it's really hard for someone you love to listen in a helpful way and not try to fix you or your problem. So it's fascinating research about addicts when they get out of treatment. It's better for them to go to the halfway house than to their family's house because it's just hard when you love someone to truly be a neutral third party and to be a sounding board. It's a it's a learned skill. I'm still not great at it. I'm terrible at it, if I'm being honest. Um, So just having that third party where you're like, oh, you're not invested in this at all. You are legally obligated to keep everything I say a secret. And even if you judge me, you're a professional, you're not going to say so. So awesome. Like I can really get this stuff out, um, which I think is a helpful environment to do what my friend Annie calls the parasite theory, which you have these terrible thoughts in your head. And so when you just say them outside, you say them out loud and you put them in the light and everybody can look at them, including a professional, be like, oh, that's not so bad. Or that is bad. Let's talk about that. And that's just like the environment you think, like I said, you think you're telling things to the people you love, but you're really not being as open and honest as you can because you're always worried about what they're going to think, even subconsciously. I'm not being as neutral with myself often, right? I mean, sometimes I will have a thought and think, oh, I don't want to think like that and kind of self-censor. So I think that I'm more honest with my therapist than I would be even with a journal. And and part of that is the long-term nature of the relationship that we've established now, right? Because I will say something and he can just look at me and I'll be like, okay, that's not the full thing that I feel about this. I will, I will now tell you the full thing that I feel about this. That's the other thing. I remember hearing something really great one time that um, this woman was talking about how she talks with her husband and her commit to like talking about their day for 10 minutes without the other person commenting. And she was just talking about like you feel in one part of your brain, but to articulate it, you have to pull that thought over and through the process of putting it to paper or saying it out loud to a therapist. And just that act alone is so helpful and so beneficial mentally, especially um, when your emotions can run away with you like mine can. And I am not deeply emotional in therapy either. Like, I think if you heard an episode of me in therapy, you'd be like, yep, that's the same best on the podcast because it's I, I'm I'm trying. He, my therapist talks about this is living an integrated life. Right. You try to be the mm. same person everywhere you are. And so what do I talk about in therapy? I talk about things that I don't know how to do as a parent. I talk about um, feelings that I have that are confusing to me or that I don't like. I talk about ways that I'm defensive or things that I want to do better in my marriage. I talk about our podcast sometimes, what what we're talking about on the show and how it's affecting me or how some listener messages have affected me. Sometimes we talk about how the news is affecting me. I have probably every third or fourth session the talk about how I'm doing enough in the world (laughs) and I'm not responsible for doing any more. He's just a person who helps me live a better life. That's how I think of my therapist. Well, and I just don't understand why I do understand, because as much as we give a lot of play to the idea that we take mental health seriously, we really do not treat mental health the same as physical health. But we should. And that's why it should be a big deal. Like You go to the dentist, you go to your primary care physician, at least I hope you do. And this is no That's what I tell people. I'm like, sometimes I just need a tune up. Well, and I think of it as I think of it as more like going to the gym. It's more preventive for me. Yeah, that's it's, true. I go so that I don't get into these deep spirals of feeling really, really down or really powerless 
you know, I go to therapy because it it keeps me healthy in the same way that exercising keeps me healthy or sleeping well keeps me healthy. We also got questions just about like that starting process and how do you find someone who clicks with you? And Emily, who is a therapist, reached out on Instagram and said, and I thought it was helpful to hear this from a therapist, therapy is a journey. It is very scary to talk openly about personal issues with a stranger, so you have to give it time. Fit is extremely important. If a person's voice, style, philosophy, sex, or age feel like a barrier to connecting with them, don't be afraid to ask for a referral or find someone else. The best place to get a referral is from a friend or family member you trust who loves their therapist. And I will give anyone my therapist's name and number anytime. I've probably given his name to 100 people. Like, That's what I do. I'm an evangelist for him. If the therapist is doing his or her job well, they won't take your need for a referral personally. You should never feel judged. I've heard a lot of things behind my closed office door that would personally make me uncomfortable at times, usually related to addiction, sex, or moral beliefs, but it's not my job to have judgment about those things, so it doesn't enter the picture in my office. I'm just there to help and be a sounding board, and it doesn't matter that I personally feel uncomfortable with open marriages, for example. If a client wants to think through that, I can help. Beth, have you guys ever done couples therapy? We have not done couples therapy. Oh, I love me some couples therapies. We went twice. We went once when um, Nicholas was had a very stressful work situation and it was affecting our marriage. And then we went again, gosh, I guess probably last year. Again, just a little tune-up, a little tune-up. But Maggie said she found somebody certified in the Gottman Method, which for those of y'all don't know, and if you're not quite ready for couples therapy, I definitely remember bo- recommend books by John Gottman, who is like the marriage guy. He's the one that says he can listen to a couple fight for 10 minutes and predict with like such and such certainty if they're going to get divorced. His books are really good. I read his Seven Principles of the Great Marriage or whatever the book is when he when I was first married. It's a really great book. But she was saying how they've been married for 10 years and going to counseling together, learning how to fight, learning how to come to compromise within a relationship has been a really helpful skill their therapist has helped them develop. So I I highly endorse couples therapy for sure. We had a a message from a listener saying, how do I get over being scared that if my husband wants to go to couples therapy, that means something is desperately wrong and we're going to get divorced. Mm. And here's the way I would think about that. So I talked in the context of an advertisement on Pansy Politics about how a big learning of mine this year has been that I that I like and enjoy my house more now that I'm cleaning it myself. I just care about it differently because I'm taking care of it. And that's how I would think about going to a couples therapy. It's that I value this relationship. I'm going to take care of it so that I value it even more. And you know what? Some of us are going to not be married forever. A big thing that therapy has taught me is to look at anything scary coming down the road and acknowledge that is a thing that could happen. Sometimes I think, like, I'll have these flashes, like I'm not feeling good, and I'll just be like, what if I have cancer? And what therapy has taught me is that the answer is, that's a thing that could happen. I could have cancer, and you know what? I will deal with it you know what, something horrible could happen to my family and my children. That's a thing that could happen. And I'm just going to keep living my life and deal with that as it comes. And there have been times when I've thought we could get divorced. That is a thing that could happen. And we'll deal with it if it does. I don't want that. I'm not, um, I, I hope very much for that not to happen. And it could. Chad could come in one day and say he doesn't love me anymore. That's a thing that could happen. I don't want it to, but it could. And I'll be okay. 
take that first step with fear because this is a process that will help you learn how to work through fear. Mm. We also got a message from Mary on Instagram. Is there any way to pro- productively talk to male partners or friends that would probably benefit from therapy? All the men I know shut down the second you even start to say the T word. And I think this is true of men and women, but particularly men. Um, you know, my husband went to therapy. I think now that I look back on it, I think that he probably thought I will go to therapy and no one will ever know that. Or we will go to couples therapy. and No one will ever know that. But he married me. So that was probably <laughs> not the safest of assumptions because it was hugely beneficial to him. He is a much better partner. He is a much better person. He was being, um, I mean, anxiety was just ruling his life before he went to his therapist, particularly the one he saw in D.C. He, my favorite thing he always said that she would do is he'd say something and then he'd try to say something and she'd go, hmm, let's go back to that, which I always thought, wait, let's go back to that. And so I think that it's it's hard. I think it's just, for me, like, it took a little pushing and prodding to get to couples therapy. And I think it's just bringing it up over and over again. Like, this is important to me. I think we would benefit from this. Or I think you would benefit from this. And very and be highly specific. Like, I'm not talking about let's go for the next 10 years. Or a lot of times with my husband's, it's concerned it's concern about finance. And so I will, like, I'll get the very specifics. Okay, this is how much it would cost. This is how often you would go. This is who's available. Just really working through the specifics of what this means because I think it becomes bigger and scarier when it's a unknown, which therapy is such an unknown to so many people. They don't know what that looks like in real life. They don't know um, what the cost will be and how often they'll have to go and if they'll be able to find it. All those unknowns becomes this insurmountable thing. And so if you can really put some highly specific framework around what the experience would be like and how in, in which ways they would benefit, I think that would be really helpful as well. I think that's right. And I think one phrase that I try to use whenever I'm talking to people about going to therapy who I can tell are resistant to the idea is that it is so freeing for me to talk to a person who doesn't need anything from me. Mm. Now, I recognize that that's pretty specific to my personality type and not a hang up that some people have. But a lot of men underneath the surface, men in particular, there are tons of women like me. So that goes without saying, I think. But a lot of men do feel burdened by all the expectations in their world and haven't figured out how to name it. But when I say that to talk to someone who doesn't need anything from me, I have seen lots of men get that instantly. Like you can Mm. see it in their eyes that they feel that instantly. And so I hope that phrase is helpful. I totally agree with Sarah. When I first read this message, my answer was repetition. You just mm. keep bringing it up, not in an aggressive way. And and you got to deliver it with some reassurance. So I say to people, I'm not sharing this with you because I think something is unusually wrong with you. Yeah. I'm sharing this with you because I think it would make you feel better. I think it would make your life a little bit easier. It makes my life a little bit easier. It's not a, It's not a fix. Right. right. There's nothing hard that has not happened to me because of therapy. Right. It doesn't avoid. It's like anything else. Faith, whatever your exercise, like you can still have a heart attack if you work out every day. Right. But it just makes you just know that you can handle whatever is happening because of it. And I think with men, a lot of it is just going back over and over in a supportive way to say, I, I'm not I'm not telling you something's wrong with you. I'm telling you, I think you deserve some space where nobody needs anything from you to just talk things through. I should also say that I wanted to explore a little bit that my 
two oldest sons. I've been taking to counseling as well, not for any, like I said, any acute problems. Um, but I just decided that they're getting older. My oldest son is creeping up on pre-adolescence. We moved. Um, we had some stressful situations like the loss of the pregnancy and the birth of Felix. And I just wanted them to have their own space where they could talk through stuff. So they have both gone. They've just each gone twice. Um, and there's a lot of conversation about naming emotions, how to um, respond to our emotions instead of reacting. The therapists really give the kids like very specific tools to deal with their emotional life, which I think is really helpful. So if any of you are on the fence about that, that's also a really beneficial form of therapy. I really want to do family therapy, like maybe with my own parents and with my with all of us as a group. I'm trying to find somebody that does that in Paducah because I think that would be really beneficial as well. I think a lot of people feel anxiety around therapy because it is like opening a box and you mm. sometimes you don't know what's in the box or you know about the bad stuff that's in the box and you're worried that maybe the box is full of even more bad stuff. Right. And that's true. But like you said, when you start taking the bad stuff out of the box with somebody who's totally neutral, you can put it in context and understand how to deal with it. The other thing is there's good stuff in the box. Mm. And I think therapy has helped me better know what's right about my life and better Mm. appreciate what I really enjoy and am grateful for. I think therapy has helped me be more confident about things that I'm good at. I don't know that I would have had the confidence to say I'm going to have a consulting and coaching practice without my therapist being 100% behind me in that. And to say, here's this person who knows pretty much everything about me. He probably knows me better than anybody on the planet at this point. And he thinks that I could do this and be really good at it. That's huge for me. It really puts some gas in my tank. And so if, as you're contemplating that box and that sense of anxiety about what's going to come out in this process, I would just be aware that you'll find really good things in the box too. And so if you take your family into a situation like that and you're feeling fear, yes, you will probably discover some hard things. You will probably discover some really wonderful things that you might not have discovered otherwise too. I love that. I think that's a good end point. I think so too. Well, we will end as always with a little bit of inspiration for the week. I found this. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This poem, Sarah, about learning that I wanted to share, because to me that's what therapy is, really. It's just a learning process. It's called After a While by Veronica Schofstall. After a while, you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul, and you learn that love doesn't mean leaning, and company doesn't always mean security. And you begin to learn that kisses aren't contracts and presents aren't promises, and you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes ahead with the grace of a woman, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your roads on today because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans, and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. 
After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much, so you plant your own garden and decorate your own soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure, you really are strong, you really do have worth, and you learn and you learn. With every goodbye, you learn. 16-year-old Sarah definitely had this poem in a journal somewhere. I'm going to try to find it and post it on our Instagram. We did not plan that. Beth just picked that, and she started reading it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is definitely in one of my teenage journals. I remember this poem vividly. Sometimes I think we're smarter at 16 than at 36, I have to say. I wasn't. I needed to learn that whole kisses aren't contracts, grief of a child stuff till I was like mm, 26. I was all wrapped up in boys at 16 in a, in a very unhealthy way. <laughs> the grace of a woman, life uh, goals. That's my goal. The grace of a right. woman. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuance Life, for sharing your life events. Keep sending those on, things that you want us to commemorate, and we'll continue our conversation about therapy. We will be back with you the week after next. We are going to take the week of July 4th off to spend some time with our families. It's the first time that we've done that with either of our podcasts, really taking a true vacation. And we decided that we should live out some of the values that we discuss on the show and do that. So we will talk with you on Pantsy Politics on Friday and back here a week from next Wednesday. We hope you have wonderful holidays with your families. Thank you for everything and keep it nuanced, y'all. Nuance Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash thenuancelife. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.